0: The Uncomfortable Truth. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for being here. Think of one of the most awkward things that has ever happened to you. Close your eyes. Picture that moment. Man, it's awkward, right? Kind of terrible. Why is it etched in your brain? Because it was so awkward. You have a specific instance that you're thinking about that was rough on you that was uncomfortable now your mind's right let's go welcome to the uncomfortable truth today is my brother's day his name is brendan He's going to open us up in prayer today awesome
1: dear heavenly father we love you and we thank you for your grace lord uh because we know that that uh, that is the uh, blessing that you give us daily that we don't deserve but that we can choose uh, to ask for at any time lord Lord, you are the gap filler in all things that uh, we experience, good, bad, or indifferent. Help us to seek you. Help our words to uh, resonate with those listening today. And uh, let them shine a light on your love for us. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys. So we are going to be talking about a topic that uh, I feel very passionate about, have felt passionate about for most of my adult life. Uh, some people might call it personal finance. Some people might call it wealth strategy. Some people might call it, uh, you know, just money in general. And uh, I'm reading a great book called Evangelpreneur by Josh Tolley. I think that's how he said it. Cool thing is, is, when you get to work with people all over the United States, they start recommending things that you might not have ever come in connection with if you did not know them. So they sent me this book, me and my business partner, Nate. And uh, I dove into it immediately, and it has really been exciting to read. Um, So we're going to start with a story from the book, and then I'm going to kind of parlay into the thought process and the question I want to ask these guys today. So there was a professor that had two uh, younger boys that were his, and he was a single dad. And he spent 40, 50, 60 hours at work a week uh, going to the office, prepping for lesson plans as a, as a professor at a college. And he just felt like the time he was pouring in <coughs> wasn't providing the value that he wanted. And I want you to keep in mind, you have to know what your value is and what, uh, you know, what's important to you as far as how your time freedom, uh, is allotted. So he had an idea. He found a old used, uh, hot dog cart stand. Okay. And the guy telling, that wrote the book saw this with his own eyes. He was a bouncer at a club uh, early on in his uh, young adult life. And so this guy gets permission to set up right outside the club door. This is around year 2000. And he sells basically, on average, every hot dog meal he sells, he makes $5 profit. Okay, And he does it Thursday, Friday, Saturday night for about five hours or, to, or until 300 hot dogs sell out. All right, and I'm going to circle back to that 300 hot dog thing. So on average, what that ended up equating to was $1,500 a night, okay, for five hours of work times three nights times 52 weeks, okay, ends up being 4500 bucks a week, ends up being nice. $234,000 a year.
2: Wow.
0: Profit. Selling hot dogs. Profit.
1: Profit. Profit. Selling hot dogs, okay. Now, The thing that resonated with me there was that, one, he didn't like the situation he was in. He probably loved being a professor, and personally, I can relate to that. I had many, many years in education as a middle school principal, a high school baseball coach. I enjoyed that job. But you got booed a lot, right? Yeah, but a lot. I got booed a lot. It's still pretty common, but, you know, and that's just for my wife and my kids at home. By the uh,
2: faculty or the students? Anybody. Okay. <laughs> no. Fans sitting fans, in the stands. Fans in the stands. <laughs> you you know, can right, relate that I for just, punishment. Um,
1: but here's the cool part about that story. He recognized that something he wanted something to change, so he took action. He found a place that fit kind of his uh, desire to make money, and he thought, hey, let's give it a shot. Worst case, it doesn't work out. He did the 300 hot dogs because he said, when that sold out, I wanted to be able to be sure that I was going back to spending time with my kids. So if it sold out in two hours, I'm headed back home. If it took five, great. Josh Tolley, the one who tells the story, said, I don't think I saw a night where he did not sell out. Now, he said $5 profit was the low part of the bar because he did an $8 meal for a drink and things like this. Now, this is in the year 2000. So, fun fact, to make a billion dollars, someone has to be making $250,000 a year for 4,000 years. Wow. Wow. Okay. Unbelievable. Yes. Now, my whole tie into this is this. How do you define wealth? Okay. And I'm going to read two verses because this book has really opened my eyes to the fact that how we view money really becomes the brick wall we keep running into or the rocket boosters that propel us through life okay I've had a huge shift in my thinking on money over the past five years going from a w2 employee only to being a part of several businesses Shane can really tell you a lot about how my mind has shifted on money because he's already been in that evangel excuse me that entrepreneur mindset so, the thing that really resonates with me when we look into the Bible and about wealth is a couple of things. Did you know that there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible about wealth or money? Did not know that.
2: I didn't realize there was that many.
1: And the way that that resonates with me is, is that if the Bible talks about a topic that much, it's got to be important, and it's got to be that we understand it to then start taking action that shines a light on Jesus' kingdom. And there is a lot of misrepresentation of what money is or isn't, I believe. And so this podcast, I hope we kind of shine some light on what money really is. So I'm going to start with this because we've all heard this one. First Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have er- erred from the faith, or erred, and pierce themselves through many sorrows. Okay. So when you hear that, most people have twisted that verse and forgot for the love of. We can love anything and it become a problem. Okay. Uh, and we can go through a whole Rolodex of problems that we all can relate to that we've had a love for that was unhealthy. All right. Then I'm going to move to Proverbs 28:19, kind of the verse for the day. Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. But he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty. Okay? So what this guy did with the hot dog cart is he recognized, I like what I'm doing, but it's not providing me the thing that matters the most with my money. And that's time with my children. When he started controlling the equation of his time, he started finding the success in life that he wanted. The vehicle of that was the money, guys. That's it. When money is looked at as a tool, it's just an expression of where our heart's at or is not at. Okay, that's all it is. I read a book called um, Business Secrets from the Bible by Rabbi Daniel Lappin. And he said, when we recognize that a dollar bill is just a transfer of appreciation between two people, it starts becoming a lot easier to look for ways to make money. Because at the end of the day, what I know all four of us believe sitting here is all the pursuits that we have and the excitement business opportunity-wise we have, it's about glorifying the Lord. And when it isn't, we get convicted. Okay? So we may make a million dollars at this table, or we may make a hundred dollars at this table, but are we glorifying Jesus for it? That's the kicker. So my question to you today, guys, and I'll circle back on the backside, is how... Do you measure wealth? And I'm sure it's evolved, uh, like I know mine has, from 15 the first time you probably started making money or 14 or 13, you know, to 22 to 23 to 35. And then, you know, I'm 40 now. I had my 40th birthday recently. So, uh, you know, mentally I feel like things are a little different than they were even at 30. So how do you define wealth? And maybe it's evolving. And what are you chasing, so to speak?
0: And I'll give some more thoughts after that. I'll I'll fill the gap, fill the silence here for a minute uh, while everybody thinks about that. I had a, a smart guy tell me a long time ago. I was probably, I'm going to say 20, somewhere between 26 to 28. Money's just a multiplier. And it, it multiplies what's in your heart already. You kind of talked on that a little bit. But it's just, it's just a multiplier. It, just, it, just is a, it can be an outward ex- expression of what is inside you. And so I'd, for a long time before that, I had thought about money and what I would do with it when I had a bunch of it. I would help more people. I mean, that was the basis of, like, I would help more people to lead more people to Jesus. It's a big, it's a big part of my wife's why on why she wants to be successful and it's rubbed off on me a lot over the years but if i can't if i couldn't do that when i had a hundred dollars versus a thousand dollars then what's really in my heart right if i if if it's in my heart if if it's truly in my heart to give to help others i would do it whether i had ten dollars or a million dollars it doesn't it should not matter now the proportion of money may change no doubt but it that shouldn't What's in my heart shouldn't change.
1: The analogy we use often with the clients that we get to work with is if your heart passionately needs to or wants to cut down that tree and all you have is an ax, you're going to cut down that tree with an ax. It shouldn't change when you get a chainsaw. Your efficiency may change. Your ability to cut down more trees may change. But your passion to cut down that tree shouldn't change. Same thing with money.
3: Yeah, it's um, interesting. This is a great topic, by the way. I think a topic that we could all weigh in on in different capacities. No doubt. Um, It's really, really neat whenever we have a topic like that where everybody is coming at it from a somewhat of a different angle just based off of all of our individual experiences with with money, with wealth. You know, I think that it's funny. You know, I think about, you know, people. you know, I think that a lot lot of people think that when you say, uh, I've been blessed – I've been blessed. You know, I I think about when you guys are talking, I think about people saying that, um, Mm -hmm. and how the immediate context behind that is some people think your business is doing well. Mm -hmm. You're, (laughs) you're making a lot of money, you know, when, um, somebody comes over and you, they, they see you have a nice house. Oh, wow. Look how blessed you are. You know, um, I, I have a problem with that, you know. Um, you know that's. Don't get me wrong. Absolutely, we're blessed, uh, but is that how you define your blessing by the money that you make or by the things that you have? Um, you know. So, your question was, how do you define wealth? You know, when I think about wealth, I think about money. Um, you know, I don't think about. A blessing, you know, so, uh, you know, I I like to draw that line between money and a blessing or assets or things, material things. Sean and I were actually having a discussion just a few weeks ago. I don't know, it may have been a month ago. Um, There was, we were talking about folks that were wealthy and there were several you know, people that I had brought up and Sean said, that guy's a millionaire. And the next guy that I brought up, he's a multimillionaire, you know, and and the next guy that we brought up, oh, he's a multimillionaire too. And, and I'm like, what is the, what is a multimillionaire? Is a multimillionaire somebody who has $2 million or is a multimillionaire somebody that has $10 million or 50 million? you know? Um, so it's just interesting. I think everybody could consider a multimillionaire something different, Mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, you know, what's a multimillionaire? I mean, to me, it, 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 in my mind, it's somebody that's probably got 10 plus million sitting somewhere, you know, uh, not necessarily somebody that's, and
2: and are they any different than the person who has a hundred thousand dollars sitting in the bank?
3: Right. You know, are they are they are they any different? Um Are they any better? Of course not. Right. Of course not. You know, we're not defined by our wealth. Um to me all this topic also goes back to our discussion a few weeks ago on uh authentic great greatness, Mm -hmm. you know. Uh to me a lot of I, I would imagine a lot of the verses, Brandon, that you have to reference or that you mentioned were referenced on wealth. We're also alluding to greatness, mm-hmm. um, which the Bible clearly states that God desires greatness for us. Yep. So, um, you know, I believe that God desires us to not struggle financially, you know. So when you ask a definition of wealth, it's a really tough question for I, me.
2: I think it's circumstantial. Yeah, um, I, like uh, yeah I, I think, you know, um, uh, of course, you know, everybody's going to have a different definition of wealth. And, uh, you know, I mean, I always tell everybody, if you make $1,000 in a week, that $1,000 is all God's, mm-hmm. okay? This is all His. I mean, yeah. I don't care what it is. Um, he made it, okay? And uh, He gave us the gift of life and the ability to go out there and to, to create wealth, uh, you know, from a monetary standpoint, But, you know, um, just to kind of piggyback off of of Obi, you know, um, I really think that wealth is circumstantial based off of, you know, I mean, we're in the insurance business, and you have the little old lady down the road who, um, you know, is uh, she might be spiritual wealthy in her mind, you know, and then she might be – she might have – you know, her little retirement fund and in her eyes, uh, she, she's wealthy. I mm-hmm. mean, like in, in her net worth might be uh, $500,000, you know, and, but, you know, and then you take, you know, somebody who's, uh, ha, you know, has millions in the bank and they might look at her and think that she's in poverty. You know, I mean, it's all circumstantial, you know, and, um, but at the end of the day, I think it's super important that we understand you know, um, I guess where, just where it all comes from mm-hmm. in, you know, and I, I really think that, you know, on a, on a spiritual level that God wants us to self-examine and not put money ahead of him. Yep. And then, um, for me, I feel like just in the last few years, really self-examining and checking myself is whenever it, it seems like to me, whenever I stopped caring, um, as much about money, that that's when the money started coming. And it's yeah. kind of it's the weirdest thing. It's hard to describe, but no, it makes perfect. That makes yeah. perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because it is so weird. I can't even hardly describe it. But it's like all of a sudden that door opened and that mm-hmm. door opened, and then and then I'm getting you know this these bonuses that I that I don't even feel like I've hardly worked for, mm-hmm. you know, and it's it's crazy. But what I want to do is like, wow, look at what God's done in my life. How can I take this and, and, and bless people with it? How can I multiply it and then bless more people with yes. it? Um, that's my mentality. That's what I want to do now more than ever. Mm-hmm. I didn't have that mentality when I was 29 years old, you know. But now that I'm 43, uh, I feel like I do. And um, maybe not as much as I should, but... well.
1: Sean, I think that's a, it's an ever-evolving thing. And if we're hitting our knees and, and bringing everything to the Lord daily, we know he can convict us and you know pull things into our mind and our heart that we couldn't process on our own. So one of the things that uh, comes out of this book that is really, I mean, he calls it like it is. He's not, and he, and he backs it up with facts and numbers. So he gives an example of we've all heard the person say, and I think I've even said this. This is, this is the job God wants me at, okay? And so he just lays it out there. He says, okay. He said, let's take the average American and their work schedule. Working 40, 50 hours a week. I spend one month or uh, a year traveling somewhere for work. He said, "On now this is in 2014. On average, the average husband working spends 29 minutes with his family in the evening. And 15 with his wife. He said, so you're telling me the same God that we both serve wants you to spend that little time with your spouse and your kids every day?
0: The, pe- said, the people that we have a charge over, the people that we're supposed to be leading. Yes. Spending that little a, time. small amount of time yeah. with. So
1: for us, we're business owners and have several different things going on. So that hit me like a ton of bricks because we are growing our business personally. And as we partner with people that will work with us or for us, Uh, My business partner, Nate, is a pastor, so this is really always a fun conversation because he already has a heart for giving and he sees the value in that because he's in a church every day. Um, We don't want to build anything that doesn't allow someone to grow with Jesus. So we cannot work with someone that they will have a better relationship, potential relationship with Jesus, then it's not a right fit. So I'll give you a perfect example. We partnered with a, uh, a mother who just really wants to work, but she's already found success her and her husband, she doesn't have to work. And the only thing that she was looking for, she goes, I could care less how much you guys pay me. Now I know we need to agree on terms, but I want time freedom. I have two little kids. And if I want to work on Friday mornings at four in the morning when everybody's asleep, then I'd like to do that. If I want to work at midnight when everybody's asleep, I'd like to do that. We said, these are the things that we're looking for. If you can do that on your schedule, great. And it's worked beautifully because she has the freedom so the thing that I want everybody to really take away from this, uh, is you first have to define what wealth is to you. Okay. Now we, as men, I believe are called to be driven as that verse talks about and working the soul and being passionate about anything we're doing, directing it back to our relationship with the Lord. But we also have to realize that I don't believe we have a God that wants us to suffer. And if money is the stream that passes through all of our lives so consistently in our marriage and our children's experiences and how we relate with people, then we need to start really understanding what the purpose of it is. And it's just a tool to accomplish God's work. You know, that's the way I look at it. So the freedom that that provides is the ability to pour
0: into people more, I believe. You think about what God calls us as men to do, as as husbands, is to lead our family, right? Provide. Provide. <clears throat> Excuse me. Lead, provide our families, right? So, initially, when you hear that, and this thought just hit me. I'm not that smart, guys, okay? The Lord's just revealing something to me. Initially, we think about leading our family, our wives, our children, Right? But what if that's not just our wives and our children, our immediate family, it's our grandchildren. It's our great-grandchildren, even though we probably won't be here or we might not be here to see them. It's the next generation after that. So when you say, what do you think about wealth, I tend to put another word in front of it, generational right. wealth, um, something you and I, Brandon and I have talked about quite a bit, setting our families up for success in the future by creating generational wealth systems and procedures in order to handle that generational wealth on how we want to lead our families. We want that money to go back to other people in need to lead other people to Jesus and to allow them, our family in the future to have opportunities that they might not have if we don't do that.
1: Yeah. I think it's vital to recognize, and this is where the good Lord has just like hit me like a ton of bricks lately, is that you can make a huge impact with $1, just like Shane mentioned with the 100 and the 1000 or a million dollars. I can honestly tell you that when I, and Sean alluded to this earlier, when I got out of my way and said, Jesus, I can't do it without you anymore. I cannot control anything anymore. I need you 100% all the time. Fill the gap. I'm out of the way because I have been screwing things up royally for a long time. Let me get out of the way. Opportunities started happening left and right. Now, the kicker is, and this is one thing about having a very good business partner who keeps you humble, are you remaining selfless and God-oriented in that? Because easily, money can become the the root of all evil again, or the love of money can. Uh, The devil will use anything he can to get us distracted. Okay, So when Shane talks about generational wealth, you know the thing that we talk about often and that is is don't misunderstand us when we talk about that we want our kids to know jesus and understand that if we die and there's a 100 million dollars sitting somewhere it is for the hands and feet of jesus it is not to go buy a mansion and 37 Ferraris, and you know, all of these things, right? You know, it's to share God's word. Now, Ferrari would be okay, I'm sure, to one of mine right now, but (laughs) maybe just
0: one one Porsche, maybe
2: Uh, a thought (laughs) popped in my head when you said that. I always think about MC Hammer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that dude, you know, yeah, Yeah. I mean, he (laughs) just made stupid money and had, um. Oh, like 280 people on payroll, and I think like half of those people were his family and then friends mm-hmm. of the family, and and then he went out there uh, and, and built this house. I don't know if y'all ever heard this or not. No. He built this house that had like 58 bathrooms and oh uh, 120 rooms and, uh, and like just unbelievable, lavish house. I think it's still sitting empty today because nobody could afford it. Nobody wanted to buy it. Nobody needed that many rooms. Then he filed bankruptcy like within like I don't know I think it was like six months of building that house and uh it's just hilarious to me I mean it's so crazy uh you know what 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 people do and uh and how just i mean it's ridiculous
3: you know I think about again just go I can't get my mind off of the question what is wealth to you um it I'm having a hard time. You know, vulnerable truth here, uncomfortable truth. I I guess I'm having a hard time distinguishing the difference when you ask that question between money and anything else. Mm -hmm. You know, because, again, my mind is, I guess, just pre-wired to think wealth, money, wealth, money. Now, you know, how do I look at money is is a different question. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and if that's the question, I feel like I can answer it better. Um, th- does that make sense? Makes, so that's, that's yeah. why
1: I asked the question, because I had had a roadblock, because I always thought money and wealth coincided. So if mm. somebody asked me, what is wealth today? It is having assets, and very simply that's money coming in and bringing money in to allow me the freedom to glorify God as efficiently as I can every day.
0: Yes. I, <laughs> I, mean I that, that, like that that
3: that I I like that too. Can yeah. I adopt your your That's, yeah, that's pretty solid, bro. Well, you know, I've been working on it. <laughs> you know, I I like that a lot. When I can when you I text think about, me that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll
0: get it later. Then you can send it out on your text messages. I think about uh, the same question. I know you had a thought. I think about the same question, like what is success to you, mm-hmm. right? Like, what do we think about when that when we hear that question, right? Similar, exactly. You know, when I I think about. Um, what
3: is money to me? I think it's a tool. Mm-hmm. I think it's a way for me to provide for my family and to glorify God in a, in a in hopefully a a very big platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, that would that would be an ideal situation for me. Would be that money I, I could I could uh, make smart decisions, smart business decisions that ultimately would create a lot of wealth mm-hmm. for me to then. Turn and glorify the kingdom in 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 ways um, that would just bring this kingdom to a new yeah, level.
2: Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, yeah, I, I
2: believe I believe you know um, wealth. You know, whenever whenever you have somebody living outside their means, okay, mm-hmm. they are a slave to debt. Yep, they are a slave. I mean, like. All they can, their all their their entire thought process is consumed uh, by, wow, how am I going to get that paid off? How am I going to get this paid off? How you know? So it's it's all. I mean, that's all they think about. So they don't even have time to think about uh, God and uh, our focus on God um, or focus on blessing people. They don't have time. I mean, like if they if they want to. By the person in uh, the drive-through uh, behind him, you know, if they if they want to buy their meal, you know, and if if it's fifty bucks and they can't afford to do it, yeah, I mean, and it's that's sad, you know. I mean, that, but because they're so strapped, you know, from a debt standpoint, so uh, I mean, whenever I think about wealth uh, and I think about money, I think about the freedom to be able to do. Uh, at any given time, you know, like to be able to reach out there. And if I want to bless somebody with a thousand bucks, I want to I want to be able to do that. Okay. If I want to bless somebody with a hundred bucks, I want to be able to do that, you know. Uh, or if I want to take off work for half a day, uh, and go and um, bless somebody with my time by serving uh, food to the homeless, mm-hmm. or maybe raking a lady's yard, serving somebody, I want to be able to do that, you know. And somebody who's strapped to the gill. They they can't take off half a day. No. It ain't happening.
1: You know, so that's a something he ta- points through in this book a lot is when we have good foundational thought processes on money. Now, he's talking about starting side businesses just to create new income streams to not be solely dependent on one particular job. This is a staggering stat, and I see it every day in what we do. Two-thirds of Americans, since this 2014, I bet it's gone up some, literally would be wrecked if they lost one paycheck, two-thirds. They don't have enough cash sitting somewhere to survive if they missed a paycheck, meaning they would be on the wrong side of their debt immediately. So that tells you that the devil has got his hold on an area in money, and he's abusing it every chance he gets because it creates stress in all other walks of life. It creates stress. What's the number one cause of divorce? Money. money. You know, all of these things are related to money. So I, I didn't tell these guys this when we started this, but I really think, and Obi pointed to it, that we could probably do once a month a money topic or a money conversation or a money truce or money facts because most people that we work with all over the U.S., it's more they don't know what they don't know. They haven't been exposed to the truth about how you could view money. Sure. And that opens them up for so many things. When we work with clients, the husband and the wife have to be involved or we don't do it as far as a married couple goes. And every time we work with them and we get through their process, they go, this was so freeing to be on the same page about money and start seeing it working for us. And guess what? Every time we do a project with them, we say, what are the things you want to accomplish? It always relates to time.
3: Yeah, that's I heard a statistic, and it's been a long time, so uh, this could be higher, it could be lower, but uh, the average household in America, household, has, on average, $26,000 worth of promissory notes or credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Uh, credit card debt, you know, 24% interest rates. Um, yep. You know, I mean, these, these what do they call them, payday loans? or Payday a, lending. A, yeah. Yep. Uh, They're making money hand over fist um, because nationally, and and I don't know if two thirds is the correct number or what, but the nationally we have a very flawed uh, outlook as a nation and probably as a world on, on money. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like, It's really rooted in America. No, no. no, no. Mm -hmm. It's it's really rooted here because there's just so much emphasis and glory and praise given to materialistic things. The new truck
2: or the big house. Uh, Two-thirds is 230 million people in the United States.
3: Wow. it's a lot of people. Yes, it is. And like you said, that was in 2014. Um, We've... We've gotten so much worse, I would think, in the last no doubt. seven mm-hmm. years. No doubt.
0: Yeah, Brandon, you brought up a good point uh, of having the husband and the wife make those decisions together. It's it's similar to, you know, how, how we were raised dictates a lot of how we feel about things mm-hmm. or how we form judgments and views and, you know, similar to raising kids, right? So you were raised a certain way. You are likely to do one of two things when you have your own kids. You're either going to raise them similar, similarly to how you were raised or complete opposite because you totally disagreed with it. The same thing with your spouse. And so you come into a marriage with different ideas on how to raise kids. Well, you are forced to figure that out because you got kids running around. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. It's the same with money. How your parents viewed money will be your basis of how you view money, right or wrong. Mm-hmm. And so we either have to build on that or work against that to form different opinions on how to use that money in our in our marriages.
1: Yeah, I feel like that this is a topic that I mean if there's over two thousand verses in the Bible, obviously we could probably do episode after episode after episode on it. But just to tie the tie the knot today, because I know we're we're getting close to kind of uh, our timeline what I'd like to stay in, is this I would ask anyone out there listening. If you don't know the answer to that, that's okay. I would say that all of us were challenged with the question today, even myself when I heard it the first time and the second time. But as you start the journey of finding the answer to that, it will also bring you down the path of really having a better place for your relationship with the Lord or what that would look like if you had one or how that looks like in your marriage. Um, You take a married couple that can communicate about money and they're unstoppable. Okay, I mean, I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen it in my own marriage. When my wife and I got on the same page about how we communicate about money, now we both have different perspectives on what money is and why, and that's okay. It alleviated 99% of the things that we dealt with as far as challenges because we were on the same page. So, you know, I hope that everybody benefits from this conversation and look forward to maybe having some more. Let me finish up with the verse for the day. Yeah.
0: Proverbs twenty five nineteen. Yeah. Right. Twenty eight nineteen. Proverbs twenty-eight nineteen.
1: Whoever works his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows worthless pursuits will have plenty of poverty.
0: Hey, everybody out there, thanks for listening today. Hope this resonated with you. And uh if you have any questions or prayer requests or a topic that you would like us to talk about, please email us at Real at gmail dot com. Do us a favor, if you're listening out there, go to, uh, if you're on iTunes, go and leave us a review. That would help us out tremendously. Appreciate you guys joining us today. Go kick the day in the face, and we'll catch you on the next one.